For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. This is the word of the Lord. John, thank you very much indeed. And uh, good morning to everybody. Thank you for coming along today. Um, If we could have the first uh, slide to go with my sermon, that'd be great, uh, please. Uh, It has been an interesting week, uh, has it not? Uh, And so we are uh, just, we've been trying as a church leadership to get on top of uh, all that's going on, uh, and so we will continue to do so. Are there no slides? Oh, that's it? Good? Good. And um, at at the 8 o'clock service this morning, uh, we agreed, uh, we think that we need to self-isolate from the news. Um, because it is, that's one of the things that's driving all of this, isn't it? That uh, maybe just once a day, because uh, actually the, the news becomes addictive, uh, and, but also it just raises uh, all the level uh, of fear. But I, I have been considering my own anxieties uh, this week, and I'm sure that you've been considering some of yours. Uh, I think none of us have not thought I'm worried about my own health, uh, and I've certainly been included in that. And of course, uh, many of us are thinking about our family and our friends, uh, particularly those of us who have uh, friends or family who are on the front line, who are working as medics or GPs or uh, caregivers, whatever it is. We cannot help but be concerned and anxious for them. Uh, for me personally, um, as the relative new boy here, I've been thinking that this is a time of challenge for the church, and so. I've I've had an anxiety. Will my leadership be sufficient? Will it be enough uh, to lead this community uh, through a time of challenge? Um, I've been thinking, will church services uh, contribute uh, to the spread? And will church activities uh, improve things? And we've been trying to wrestle with all of that. Will the church uh, lose momentum? Uh, Will the church lose money? Uh, those are the things that go through the mind and the heart of a vicar uh, during a, a week uh, like this. You may share some of those, uh, none of those, but there is a tidal wave of anxiety and fear. Uh, and that's what I've been uh, honestly taking to God this week and saying, well, these are the things that I'm anxious about. Uh, please, God, give me peace and please restore my perspective that I would be able to see things truly. Uh, so we're going to 
live very briefly in that passage from 2 Tim 4, uh, 1 to 8 uh, today. Uh, We can have the next slide, uh, please. It strikes me uh, that uh, often we will cling on to things like Psalm 23, in particular that phrase, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that we will cling on to verses like that uh, as occasional comforts when things are hard or challenging or difficult. But actually, as far as the Bible is concerned and as far as reality is concerned, we are always walking in the valley of the shadow of death. We do so as Christian people joyfully, and I might even say defiantly, certainly hopefully, and certainly thankfully but we do live in the valley of the shadow of death in terms of a a constant acknowledgement of our mortality. Uh, Dust to dust, ashes to ashes. Uh, One of the most common uh, images that the Bible uses of human people is either that we are like mist, gone uh, in the rising of the morning sun, or we're like grass that is cut and then fades away. And of course, in our 21st century culture, we keep all of those images right in the background because we like to believe in our own immortality. We always walk in the valley of the shadow of death, defiantly and joyfully and hopefully. But you talk to anybody who's recently been bereaved, or you talk to someone who's just been given a really challenging prognosis. And they will tell you, all of us actually know this, but we live in a culture that is trying to hide this. And so Paul in this passage reminds us, first of all, that we do live in the presence of God who will one day be our judge and that we will one day meet with him Again, And at the end of the passage, uh, Paul writes, sensing, probably because his trial uh, is is just around the corner, uh, that his time is short, and he thinks he will probably be executed soon. That's why he talks about his life being poured out uh, before him. Now, uh, the truth is that the vast majority of us have absolutely no idea about our own mortality. Uh, Here's a newsflash. We are not all going to die of coronavirus. We really are not. God willing, uh, none of us will. But we will all die. And we will all go to be with Jesus on his return. And Paul describes us in this way. He says, our identity, I wonder if you can associate with this, our identity is as those who long for his appearing. So we need to bring that perspective or that horizon into all of our thinking and our praying. This isn't kamikaze theology, but this is Christian theology, that we are among those who long for his appearing. As children of Jesus, we do see things differently. We walk in the valley of the shadow of death, yes, in the sense that we are finite beings in a finite world ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But even more important, we walk in the valley of the shadow of the cross. And it is the cross that makes that valley a place of hope 
and a place of triumph and a place uh, we can uh, reject uh, defiant, defiantly uh, the chains of would-be immortality uh, that our society uh, wants us to bind ourselves with. Next slide, please. Uh, Paul says, uh, preach the word. It is never the wrong time to live out the gospel and to share it uh, with intent and with compassion and with urgency. In fact, the greater the danger and the uncertainty, the better the time uh, to preach the word. Now, whatever unfolds for us uh, in terms of Sunday services in the coming months, we will remain people of hope and people who in our individual dealings with others and in our workplaces and in our WhatsApp chats are people who preach the word, who hold out the gift and the hope of life to others. We will be people who understand that every single human being is wounded, or to use a very appropriate and contemporary uh, image, we are all infected with a virus, one uh, that uh, leads us to destruction and selfishness and greed. We know this. We know that all of us have settled for compromise and cowardice in parts of our lives. And we know that every single one of us, and those who aren't here, need encouragement. We need hope because hope evaporates. We don't just need cheap and cheery encouragement, but we need deep and gracious and prayerful support. And so Paul says that we, in our attitudes to each other, should have great patience and gentle instruction. And this is a time for established Christians. It doesn't matter how old you are. It's about how much experience that you have in the faith. This is a time for established Christians to model hope and not to panic and to model trust and to model love for God because other people will be looking at you and seeing how you respond. So Paul says, preach the word. Now that is shorthand for sharing and demonstrating our hope in Christ and holding out with a sense of urgency and reality and compassion the hope uh, that we have. We do it in what we do, and we do it in what we say. Preach the word. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, the last thing he says is that we should keep our heads. We should keep our heads. Paul, in his time, was facing a time of great turmoil and uncertainty, and so are we. Uh, Paul knows in those uh, kinds of situations, it can all go to pot. And the Christian community, as he looked around him, was fracturing and fault lines were appearing and people were getting cheesed off with each other and going in different uh, directions. Can we make a pledge that that's not going to happen here? Because with that increased pressure, uh, so comes the potential uh, for fault lines appearing. Anxiety and fear and uncertainty, they stalk our land and they stalk our hearts and they stalk our uh, websites and they stalk our thoughts. But let's not let them stalk here. 
keep your head. Now, keeping our head is not a matter of willpower or summoning up courage. It is rooted in a very Christian perspective uh, in terms of what is important and what is true and what is eternal. It's rooted in prayer. The next months uh, will, I'm sure, make big demands of us all. Uh, we will be tempted to panic. We haven't already. Uh, to blame, to fracture, uh, to give up, or just to live in fear. There will be hardship for some of us, physical and emotional and psychological and financial and spiritual. Some of us will find ourselves right on the front line of this stuff. All of us will be tempted at times to think, uh, my faith and my trust in God may need to go on pause for a while because I have other bigger fish to fry. I'm going to just hunker down and wait. And then when the nice weather comes in the summer, I'll get back into church. After all, what can little old me do? Paul says, in the midst of this turmoil and uncertainty, do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all duties of your ministry. We will need to be flexible and creative. But nowadays, we have phones and emails and WhatsApp and a website and live streaming and everything. And one of the challenges for many people, I think, is actually going to be boredom and loneliness over these coming months. This is an unprecedented season for us. It's one in a generation stuff. We want to hear God's voice in this. And we want our community and our nation to hear God's voice in this as we hurtle as a society headlong and head down, self-absorbed. Great nations and great leaders are being humbled and we as people are being confronted by our inability to control things and to be self-sufficient. And as communities, we are being pushed back together. And we as Christians should be right in the thick of it. I'd like to end uh, with some uh, practicalities, just uh, as we think about the next few weeks. Uh, I promise that the wardens and the PCC and I are taking our responsibilities really seriously, and we will always be heeding uh, the latest advice and advising you what that is. Uh, secondly, please don't come to church if you do have uh, COVID uh, symptoms for the sake of other people. Uh, so just please be wise. I think we have to release each other uh, from this kind of uh, stoical, uh, I'm going to keep going whatever thing, that some people are going to latch on to. If you are ill, uh, please stay at home. Uh, we are going to include, uh, in all of what we are doing, a prayer for those in authority and those who are running our businesses and our economy and those who are on the front line of care. Now, what I've done, and I borrowed this idea from Singapore, what I've done is on my phone... I've set an alarm every day for 1900 uh, in that this is COVID-19 that we're dealing with. And so every day, 1900 hours, I will set my, my alarm will go off and that will be a reminder to me uh, to pray, pray for the government, uh, pray for industry, pray for our city, 
pray for our hospital, pray for our GPs, pray for our caregivers, and I would urge you to do the same. Very simple on any phone, just whip the phone out, 1,900 hours, even if it's in the middle of supper, doesn't matter, you can pray together as a, as a family. Uh, but let's make this a thing of prayer uh, so that we don't go through this hopeless, but rather hopeful. Uh, we will stack the website with great resources. There'll be testimony and stories and music to listen to and stuff to uh, think about and reflect on and things to make you chuckle. Uh, so even if you can't get to everything or even anything, uh, church carries on. And all the one another's that we've been thinking about uh, this spring will all still apply. So please, particularly in your own small groups and in your own ministry areas, can you please be attentive uh, to one another and make sure that you are caring for one another and make sure there are people that need to stay at home, that uh, you, uh, people that you know, that you can get food and uh, medicine if necessary to their front door uh, to help them and support them. Uh, we sense this is going to be for several months uh, rather than weeks, so let's pace ourselves uh, and just be ready uh, to keep uh, going in unusual times for a while. And lastly, I'd just like to say, uh, some of you may not know about something called the Early Church Fund, which is uh, a core a part of our identity as a church. And this is a fund uh, which is there to give financial help uh, to people uh, from within the, the widest possible understanding of the Christchurch Winchester family. It's there to give people support, financial support. And some of us, I think, probably are going to be financially challenged. You know, if you run your own business, or for whatever reason, uh, please, 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 nobody uh, needs uh, to remain financially challenged. The Early Church Fund is there to give gifts, not loans, but gifts uh, to people who need it. So if that is you, or if that is somebody you know within the widest possible understanding of the Christchurch community, then do please let me or Paul and Sue Breakwell know, because that is exactly what the Early Church Fund is for. I haven't asked her, but I just, Rachel, are you old enough to come up and share what you've shared with me? I talked to Rachel, we hadn't really met properly at the start of the service, Rachel has done two really interesting things. Can you tell us about, first of all, about the Facebook thing, and secondly, about the phone calls? Yes. Um, so I just really was watching what's happening on some of the local community Facebook things about people arguing over toilet rolls and all the stockpiling. And I thought, actually, this is an opportunity for a community response. So I put a um, post out suggesting we put a group to chat together about how we might respond as a community to people self-isolating. So they were ready and prepared I did that at 7.30 last night, and I have 85 people signed up to support. And the simple idea is that somebody will contact and say, I'm self-isolating. I will go to the group and say, um, this person living in this street needs some support, and the nearest people who can react quickly will be there to help them. Um, and then the second thing that um, we're doing, I work, I'm finance director for a care organization. And we have um, care homes and social clubs for um, people who are still living in their own homes. At the moment, we're encouraging people that social interactions are really important to your mental health and your physical health. But for some people, 
with underlying health conditions, they're starting to make the choices to stay at home a bit more. So one of the things we're doing is making sure that our team of volunteers are touching base a couple of times a week with all of the older people who come to our social clubs, just to check they're okay. And I think that's something that the group that I'm trying to do on the Facebook group is try to capture some of the other older people in our community who are not on Facebook, so that we can start doing that as a community as well. So it's just two really simple things that we started to do. And I think if we can all do, you know, if we can all just do a little bit of that, that's um, really helpful. The other thing that I'm going to do with my boys tomorrow, this afternoon, is go and put a little leaflet through everybody on my street's door to say that we are here to help you if you need it, whether that's someone to chat to or just to someone to leave bread and milk by your front door. Rachel, thank you so much for sharing. That's just so good we talked before the service. And thank you for all that you've shared and for the leadership that you're taking. Fantastic. Uh, let's just be quiet uh, for a second and uh, commend uh, each other to God. Lord, we do thank you for this church. And we, we, it's such a privilege to be part of this community. Uh, please lead us through this time. Please deepen our love for one another. Please give us wise decisions to make. And please, Lord, may no one be left alone or unnoticed or forgotten through this time. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We can invite the band to come back. They're going to lead us in our next song.